morning. The scripture this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. Now the people were waiting expectantly, and all of them were questioning in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I am is coming. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with fire that never goes out. Then along with many other exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the evil things he had done, Herod added this to everything else. He locked up John in prison. When all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. As he was praying, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. So on Sunday nights, I have a new favorite TV program. Comes on at about 8 o'clock, although I'm usually watching it later in the week, you know, on, uh, on, on demand. But, uh, but it's called God Friended Me. And it's a program about a, a young man by the name of Miles. And Miles has his own podcast, and he has billed himself as the Millennial Prophet. And he's taken upon himself the mission to free everybody from their dependent delusion upon God. And in the middle, in, in the first episode, he finishes up one of his podcasts, and there's kind of a little bing on the, on the screen of his computer, and he gets a friend request on Facebook from someone calling themselves God. So he's kind of intrigued, and he says, I'll play along, and clicks it, and, uh, and then later on, as he's walking around, um, there's another little bing, and he looks down, and the God account has given him a friend suggestion. And all of a sudden, Miles' life begins to be turned upside down. You see, all of these friend requests, he ends up finding that there's an interconnectedness to them. He finds that there is something uh, often very complex, um, sometimes um, uh, difficult circumstances that each of these people are in and that somehow he is called to come in and be present as a helpful and healing presence. Now, the other thing that is interesting is that uh, Miles also has a relationship with his father, and it's contentious, and his father is the priest of the uh, Harlem Episcopal Church. And, um, and so their relationship is strained because of Miles' atheism. 
And, uh, but it's a great, great uh, interaction between them and between his sister, between his friends, as they try to figure out who is behind the God account. And I find it interesting because the questions that it brings up is how does God work? How does God call us to do God's work in our day-to-day lives? When does God show up and how does God show up? And in today's uh, uh, sermon, we're going to talk a little bit about that, about how God shows up and how we get called to do God's work. And it's set within Jesus' baptism. Now, the Bible's pretty tight-lipped about Jesus as he's grown up. We don't get too many details. We know that uh, when he was two, they had to run off into Egypt. Then we get the, um, he's 12 years old, and he's, they go to the temple for Passover, and he stays behind, and Mary and Joseph have to go, and they're crazy looking for him, and, but they find him, and he says, you know, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? And then you don't hear too much until his baptism. And his baptism, we think he's somewhere between 27 and 30, and um, so there's a lot of time that's passed. And, and we have proclaimed Christ as being fully human, fully divine, uh, for almost as long as the church has been existent. And I want you to think about what that might have been for Jesus as he grew. Fully human, fully divine. So that means all the fallibilities of us as being human, and yet also having this under, underarching, overarching divine nature that is a part of you. And, um, you know, and I have to wonder if Jesus had issues or, or if he wondered about who he was and what he was called to do. And if those stories of his birth, stories of angels and shepherds and magi coming and being present, you know, if all of those things that, you know, began to fade away as he got older and as he got working. And obviously he was a devoted person of faith. Obviously he continued to, to be a faithful person in what he was doing, but he obviously seemed called to do something more, something more than his dad's uh, workshop, called to do something crazy and radical for God. But what? But what would it be? What would it be? And so as a part of his kind of spiritual journey, he goes out to see his cousin John, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. And um, what we know about John is, is even less than what we know about Jesus. We know that John was Elizabeth and Zechariah's son. Um, we know that uh, they were both advanced in age, so he was kind of a miraculous baby. Um, and then the next thing we know is John's coming out of the wilderness shouting insults at people, telling them to repent of their sins and to take on this baptism of repentance in the River Jordan. And, um, you know, this is, this is where Jesus has come to, to come and see his cousin John and to be baptized in John's baptism of repentance. Now, before we unpack that, I want to speak a little bit about kind of what John may have been doing there at the Jordan River. 
See, it's very possible that because Zechariah and Elizabeth were older, that they passed away fairly early, and that John must have gone and spent time in what we call the Essene community. And the Essenes were people who were convinced that society was too um, immoral, that it was too, uh, it had been dragged too far down to be redeemable. And as a result, they withdrew from society and they went out into the desert along the coast of the Dead Sea and they began to live in these communes. And in these communes, they dug these these pools, these cisterns and these bathing pools and they would collect the rainwater when it would rain and every day after they had got done with their day of work and their day of worship, they would come together and they would have these ritual baths where they would wade through the water and ritualistically, ceremonially clean the uh, whatever might be clinging to them from the world. They sought to be holy. And what they thought was going to happen is judgment was going to come upon the Romans, upon the temple, upon the population of Israel because they weren't keeping the covenant or because they were oppressing God's people. And this judgment was going to come, and then God was going to start over with the remnant. And they were going to be the holy remnant that God was going to start over with. And, uh, you know, and they, had, they were single-sex communities, so it would be all men in one community, all women in another. And um, sex and reproduction were discouraged. And, uh, you know, it was this whole withdrawal this whole hyper-holiness. And then John comes out of the wilderness, the desert, with a ritual of baptism. And somewhere along the way, John has decided to go back to society, not to withdraw, but to come back, to provide a voice of redemption. As we know from the, uh, from the, the voice of one who calls in the wilderness, make straight the pathways for the Lord. He saw that as his goal, as his purpose, as his path was to point to the coming Messiah and prepare society for the Messiah that was going to come and lead them into the future that God had for them. So it's a public ministry. It's not an isolation ministry. And, uh, and he's brought it here to Jordan and it kind of looks like when the Israelites had to consecrate themselves before they entered into the Holy Land with Joshua. And it's like he's re-preparing the people of Israel to once again be God's chosen children. Whatever his purpose was, he never forgot his deepest one, which was point the way of the Messiah, and to prepare the way for him. And so Jesus comes with the multitudes to be baptized. And like I said, I assume that it's a part of him seeking after what God has for him, to find out what God is asking him to do, to understand more what his message should be and what path he should follow. And as he wades into the water and is baptized, he he is there praying, and all of a sudden something happens. The skies open up, a dove descends out, and it lands upon him, and there's a voice that calls out, You are my son, the beloved. 
with you I am well pleased. It's interesting because this is just for Jesus. The way this is presented is this is just for Jesus. It's not this is my son. Here in Luke, it's you are my son. In that moment, I think Jesus experiences a major confirmation of who he is, of who he belongs to, and he gets that green light to step into ministry. You see, this happens, and then Jesus steps out in ministry. And we call this kind of moment a theophany. It's that moment when God breaks through in a powerful way, bringing revelation and confidence in our moments of doubt. We always want a theophany, right? How many times have we asked for a theophany, for God to show up and tell us what to do? And the problem is we can't manufacture them. It happens suddenly, unexpectedly. And it happens in the rhythms of our life and of our faith. And it's kind of like what happens to Miles. In the rhythm of his life, even though he's not seeking God, what happens? The God account finds him. The God account finds him and starts putting him to work. Miles is trying to find out who's behind the account. His life has been turned upside down. You see, theophanies can turn our lives upside down. They can send us in directions that we never imagined we go. They can invite us to do things we never thought we could do. But most of all, they reaffirm to us that God is with us, that God loves us, and that there's nothing we can do to get away from, from God. And I wish I could tell you how to make them happen, but they're out of our control. We can't make them happen. So what do we do? We keep seeking. We keep meeting together, we keep studying the scriptures, we keep praying, we keep doing good things around us. Because you never know in the midst of these things when God is going to show up in some special way. And he'll show up just for you. When you talk to people that have had these profound impacts upon communities or upon the world and Usually they can point to a moment where, for some reason, everything changed. Mother Teresa was looking back and seeing a leprous child laying in the street. And, real, and even though they told her not to go pick that, that child, she said, no, I'm going to go pick it up. It wasn't some moment where God showed up and said, you're going to be working with leper kids. She just went and picked that child up and in that moment suddenly knew what she needed to do with the rest of her life. Go through, that's a big story, but you can go through and there are little stories over and over and over of how people went to do something and found something bigger. Keep praying. Keep studying. Keep searching. Keep seeking. Keep practicing, because at some point, God is going to show up, and God is going to let you know that God has claimed you, loves you, pleased with you. Keep it up.
Let's wait for that, that bing of our Facebook account with God saying, I've got a friend for you. Go and see what you need to do. Keep seeking. Keep studying. Keep searching. Keep serving. Keep the faith. And God will show up. Amen.
Thank you, Jeff. There is a momentous occasion in the lives of Christians when we come to receive the waters of baptism, that seal of the Holy Spirit upon our faith, and and it's that time that we stand and we make that declaration that Christ is for me. And today we have two uh, young ladies coming up, and I'd like to invite Sasha and Susanna to come up at this time. Let's go ahead and have you guys stand right here. (coughs) If you turn to page 33 in your red hymnals, you'll be able to follow along with us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and giving new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. This morning I present Sasha Isadora Fretz and Susanna Elizabeth Fretz for baptism. So Sasha and Susanna, my first inquiries go to you. Uh, On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness Reject the evil powers of the world and repent of your sin. Do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to peoples of all ages nations, and races. And according to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? And now I have a few questions. We're going to skip, I think, two, and I've got questions for the congregation. Do you, as Christ's body the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these two now before you into your care? With God. We will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround the, these people with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust with us. Become faithful in service to others. We will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. Okay. All right, here we go. All right, we're going to do the Thanksgiving over the water. So we're skipping past the Apostles' Creed. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal God, when nothing existed but chaos, 
You swept across the dark water and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured by the water of the womb, who was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. His works to the nations, his glory among all people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and to the ones who receives it, to wash away their sin and to close them in righteousness throughout their life, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. Sasha, are you ready? You're going to go first. We're doing this alphabetically. So Sasha, step right up here. Sasha, Isadora, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit. And may the Holy Spirit be at work in you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Susanna? Susanna Elizabeth, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit be in work at you, that being born through water and by the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple So it is now with great joy that we should welcome our new sisters in Christ. Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's new creation and made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. Members of the household God, I commend to you Sasha and a <laughs> and Susanna, to your love and to your care. Do all in your power to increase, the, increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. So we should probably give a good, warm welcome and applause. It's not too often that you have 17-year-olds come to uh, your office and say, we want to be baptized. They were actually inspired when they saw the baptism of a baby here in the church uh, a, a couple of months ago. So um, um, thank you so much. We welcome you. At the end of the service, when I go out, I want you to stand at the door with me so people can greet you, okay? All right. So once again, let's welcome our new sisters in Christ. <laughs> 